All right, so yeah, just, just so everybody's aware, Wayne has to, to leave. He's got an errand to, to go with, taking Andrew to the airport. So he's not mad. We already established that. He's not leaving. In about 17 minutes, Neil and Barbara are going to rapidly leave the building, and they're also not angry yet. Um, they have a, an interment, I believe, that graveside. That's, yep, yeah, so that's, that's where they're heading, Simon's. And the rest of us... Well, I'll hold you bondage to probably around quarter, quarter to 12, um, if not before. Um, so I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 7. Um, we will get into Acts chapter 7, just a lot of different things. Those that know me, I enjoy asking questions. And sometimes, sometimes I don't. The idea of someone studying and then standing up and then telling you what to think and what to believe, um, sometimes I don't think that's the best. Sometimes there's a, there's a place for that. But my goal has always been to get everyone reading the Scriptures and working in these texts, right? So you go home and maybe there'll be something there this morning that you hear and go, I've never thought of that, right? Or I've never considered that or the context of that or, ooh, you know, does that apply to my life? You know, uh, I'm thinking of Stephen. One of the big things is I was working through some projects that some of them weren't all that pleasant. Some of them were. Um, when Stephen is preaching, why is he by himself? All right, that was one thing that really, really settled in on me. I mean, you, you had 3,000 added to the Lord, 5,000. I mean, you had a faith community of 15,000, 20,000 people in Jerusalem. And then here's Stephen by himself. We could partner that. Oh, he wasn't. You know, I like got God with him, and he had the people praying behind him. But, but, but that was one thing that stood out, and, and I meditated on that this week. Because, I mean, there are times over the past three years, especially during COVID, where I felt like my voice and I was by myself, right? And, and that's how some of these applications work. Um, so the notes for, for today, we'll have lots of questions, okay? And then we're just going to work through some different things. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the ancient words that you've, you've handed to us. Lord, some are older than others, the books that, that Moses recorded for us. Lord, some are, some are new, as Paul, Paul wrote, and as John recorded, the things of his gospel and revelation. Lord, there's a lot, a lot of world events, a lot of things, a lot of lives depending on your truths. And my prayer this morning as we read this, that these, these pages would come alive. Lord, as we look at, at what was going on in that time and, and the message that you sent Stephen to give, Lord, we would see that that's the same message that we're to give today. And Lord, I just pray that you'd uh, guide me. Lord, help me to know where to, to, to draw things up short and what to mine. And, and Lord, I just pray that this would be a, a beautiful time together. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. And I know I've said it many times, we'll recognize as Stephen is preaching, this isn't the regular church Sunday morning crowd. These, these men had a handle on their Old Testament scriptures. They had the history of God working in their midst. I mean, they knew, they knew the scriptures. One of the, the aspects of becoming a Pharisee, right, even by age 13, and, I, and I'm sure you've heard this before, where, where they would take 
they'd take the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, and they would drive a tent peg through it. And that child at 13 would be able to say the missing words, right, as they went, you know, scroll, roll after roll, page after page. You'd be able to say the missing words. And that's like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Right, that's how well they knew the scriptures, right? I mean, for, for many of us, I know me growing up, it was stories. Oh, I remember David and Goliath. I remember, you know, Noah and the ark. I remember Jonah and the whale. I remember those stories. That wasn't what it was like for these men, right? Completely different ground. So I, I do have to look at something here um, first. So in our notes there, we'll see there that the top there. First thing, Stephen had an authenticating stamp on his message. And something that stands out just as we step in and, and we're going to grasp this and then we're going to rewind and take a run at it and you'll see why. Verse 15 says, And all who sat in the council, okay, this is your Sanhedrin, these are your Pharisees and some Sadducees, they're Jews, they have their Old Testament scriptures, they have Pharisaic Judaism there with that. All who sat in the council looked steadfastly at him, saw his face, as the face of an angel. Okay, that's something there that I've really chewed on this week, studied out resources. Um, so I asked a couple questions as I stepped into that. Okay, number one, the first thing I asked was, what was Stephen doing when this visible, physical change happens? Right, reading that verse, they could see a, a visible, physical change as Stephen is delivering this message. Now, was he glowing a little bit like Moses when he stood in the presence of the Lord and had to wear that veil? I like to, I like to lean that way. There was a, a Shekinah glory as the Spirit was working. Was this a, a complete peace as he's delivering this message, knowing he's about to die? Do people look different physically when they're completely at peace? I've seen it. I've seen there when, when there's been tension or some anxiety or, or a weight, what do you want to call it, depression or what have you, and when somebody finds peace, you can see it on their face. Right? You, can see, you can see that they've let that go, and, and there could be an element of that, but this, what was Stephen doing when this visible physical change took place? What was he doing? He was speaking. He was teaching. He was preaching. Right? This was an authenticating sign that God, Christ from the throne, was giving this man to authenticate that he is a messenger from the king. Just remembered I found my throne. Or my <laughs> found my All right? So what was he doing? He was speaking. He was preaching. That's what the Sanhedrin had such a, a hard time with because his teachings following Christ and the apostles, his teachings went against much of the Pharisaic Judaism. I asked the question, why would Luke emphasize the angelic-like change? Right, of all the things that could be written here, why was this specifically put in here? Right, it does say, like, like I mean, it, you're, you're finishing the section, and all of a sudden this, he had a face of an angel. There's a reason why it's there. Maybe that's what captured my attention this week. So I am going to get you to turn to Acts 7, verse 53, and we'll see there why it's important. It's like two, two bookends. And this sermon, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm, I'm a little lazy. 
but uh, the sermon does have two ends. Okay, you've got him there saying that he had a face of an angel. I asked, okay, well, what is an angel? But you'll notice in chapter 7, uh, 51 to 53, okay, you have the closing to this sermon. Okay, and I'm sure it would get pretty near every pastor fired if he was preaching this way. It says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised heart and ears. Now, I'm not sure. I'm sure there was other words, but I'm not sure how long this sermon would have taken to deliver. I'm, I am sure that probably after, say, the first 15 to 20 verses, the listeners were tired of listening, right? I mean, like, you know what? We're out. Like, we don't even care. And yet he keeps going. We know their hearts were hardened. We know the Pharisees there had already taken their own direction and judgment was coming upon them. But the clothes, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. And I can't, can't wait to show you what he's saying here. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of, and if you're, you're in the habit of underlining or highlighting the names for Jesus throughout the Old Testament, this is the just one. Okay, that comes right out of Isaiah 53, 10 to 12. Um, Jeremiah 23 also mentions the righteous one, but that's speaking to Jesus, the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels. There's that same word again. You've got Stephen with the face of an angel, and then you've got them receiving the law or these, these continued principles okay, by the direction of angels and have not kept it. He's speaking to the Jewish Pharisees. So I asked the question about this angels, right? Like, I mean, you have to study that word out. Um, you, you get into the lexicons and the dictionaries. I use a fairly expensive one. Uh, just because it's world-renowned, and my, one of my teachers encouraged me to spend the $400 on it. I think, it, I think it's worth $2,000 if you get the paper one. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, one word's like three pages as they trace it all the way through the, uh, the origins of Greek language. So anyway, you look for the one word. And, and the first, first aspect of that Greek word angelos comes up is messenger. And it can be a human messenger quite often it's used as the the human messenger right from the throne right and as the apostles and as stephen who they laid hands on right and we see him doing signs and wonders right as he speaks for christ from the throne he is a human angelos he is a human messenger right i'm like okay well that 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 i'll put that on the table, right? Was there a physical, visible sign to that? Yes. Uh, are angels physical beings? And when we study through Scripture? No, no, they're incorporeal. They're, they're spirit. Can they take on physical forms as we read through? Yes, of course they can. So for an angel to have a face when they're spirit, right, means they have to take on a physical 
formed. Anyway, we can have a theological discussion on this, but, but the first thing that come up there is human messengers, right? Serving as an envoy, uh, one who is sent. And Stephen is very much sent, right? Another aspect from there, one of God's created and corporal messengers. And these would be the angels that shine. Most of, most of the artist work you see with wings, right? The cherubim, and that would, that would be some of that. Now that is a option as well, right? But one other thing there is, is as we work through this angels, face of an angels, the, the law being delivered by angels, what kind of messages did angels usually bring? Good messages? Okay. I, I challenge you a little bit on that, Sharon, yeah. It, uh, and and maybe, maybe sometimes, I mean, when Abraham, those th the three angels and the, the angel of the Lord showed up, what kind of message were they bringing? Warning, right? Sodom and Gomorrah, they went in and, and went down, okay. Um, what other angels? Um, angel of the Lord appears to Moses, the burning bush, right? What message did he bring? One of deliverance, that's a good one, right? There and sent him in, okay. Um, Angels at Jesus' Gabriel, right? Bringing peace, right? There he's going to save his people from their sins. That's, that's a good one. Other than when you trace it through, Israel has to be purified first, right? So, but, but think Daniel. What kind of message did the angels bring Daniel? Interpreting. End times, right? Future programs, future events, right? It was, in some cases, it was apocalyptic. Most of the time in scriptures, whenever you read about angels, guess what? It's about future things, right? And, and, and so that's just an interesting element because much of what Stephen is presenting here, right, as he, as he starts in Abraham and lays out the scriptures for them is the program of God to what? To come, right? The messianic kingdom, the wrath that's coming. So Christ from the throne speaking through him as a messenger, as an angelos, is, is proclaiming the future things that are coming. And some of it does include that wrath, right? And prepare for that. So fascinating, fascinating things to study through. Um, last, last couple of questions with that text there. Why would the 1500 to 1611 King James translators choose the word angel here? Anybody been to a Catholic church, right? What are the murals about? angels and baby cherubs and, and, and very much that realm of things. I mean, it's beautiful artwork and there, there, there's history in that. But some of it isn't biblical, right? So that idea of angels and, and maybe the Alabama song, Angels Among Us and, and, and whatnot, right? That there would be an emphasis on that at that time. Was this, pardon me, was Stephen still human? When he authenticated this wonder on him, when he began to show this, was he still human? Yeah, important question. And could this law, all right, that he was speaking there in, in verse 53, could this law be speaking about the messianic principles taught by God's Christ and the apostolic messengers? As you were, when you read it there in verse 53, who have received the law by the direction of angels or messengers and have not kept it. Maybe this one's more for Lawrence to chew on a little bit. Could this law be what Christ was presenting? 
right? Rather than going back to Mount Sinai and the Jews, right? Which, which we could get that application traditionally. Could this be what Jesus was presenting? Because that word law speaks to continual principles that Jesus was presenting. Anyway, very, very interesting things to consider. Okay? And you probably never asked those questions before. Uh, but let's, let's kind of rewind. We'll come back to verse, verse 15. I don't know. We have to come back. Verse 12. And uh, maybe we'll come back up to verse 8. I'll just get a run at it. Here we go. Verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith, power, did great wonders and signs among the people. These are Jewish people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia disputing with Stephen. So we have the Jews disputing with Jewish Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Now, we don't read Jesus ever doing that. We don't read any of the apostles ever doing that. It was just the fact that these Jewish men did not understand the truth. They did not understand the next step in God's program, which is why they crucified God's Christ. Which is why they didn't understand what was going on in Acts chapter 2 when God poured out His Spirit. And Peter has to say, look, this is from Joel chapter 2. They are proclaiming the coming wrath and you need to call on the name of the Lord and be saved from this coming wrath. Verse 12, and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. Most often when people don't understand the teaching, they rally, they recruit, right? They team up. Let's get rid of this guy. And they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous or speak words against the holy place, which is the Jewish temple, and the law. For we have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place, which Jesus did. You read through the Gospels. He said the temple would be destroyed and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat on the council looked steadfastly at him and saw his face as the face of an angel. Just bear with me. We remember last week's point. These men wanted the gospel, but not the wrath. They wanted the good news, but not the judgment. They wanted the new life without the change. Right? And that's what this, this whole message with those bookends is about. I mean, Stephen maybe didn't know exactly that he was going to call them stiff-necked and uncircumcised at heart at the start. Because, I don't know, you have to be some sort of super, super preacher to stand up and go, this is my goal here. I'm going to completely condemn my audience before I even start. But there's a tension in the room. Right? There, there, there's, there, there, there's a clear direction as this is poured out. As far as destroying the temple, Jesus preached wrath and jump, ju in judgment, temple destruction. That was all part of it. As far as changing the customs of Moses, notice Jesus called Israel to obey who? Him. Right? He kept calling them out of this Pharisaic Judaism and, and not completely discarding Torah, which is their foundation, but he's saying you're, you're, not, 
you're not living in obedience, you're away from God, you need to obey me. God's Christ, God's King, God's prophet. We see in Acts chapter 2, spirits leading from the throne. Uh, for those that are interesting, they're interested, Romans 9 to 11, the temporary cutting off of Israel. If you were to read those three chapters, that's what's being introduced here. There's a transition to one faith community, and then what happens in Acts chapter 10? Don't expect you to remember. That's the first time we see a Gentile, right? The gospel going to the Gentile and the Spirit pouring out on Cornelius. And we see this faith community becoming one. This is all being introduced here. And it makes for some very, very good conversations. So what would this scene have been like? And I'm not going to read 7, 1 down to verse 50. I encourage you to read it at home. It's great Sunday school material. It's great to work through with the little ones, right? Not as stories, but, but work through. What do you remember about this? What are the points? Because it starts you through Abraham and Moses' life and, and, and leads you right up to this point where it's like you guys are rejecting God's next step in the program. But what would this scene have been like? Recognize here this morning that Stephen is a Jew, right? He comes with all the heritage of being Jewish. He's speaking to politically powerful Jews. Stephen is proclaiming wrath on this Jewish nucleus. What is the center of Jewish religion? The temple, right? I mean, in, in many cases, think of, of communities. Maybe not so much now, but I mean, 50, 60 years ago, if you said, you know what? We are going to burn the church down. What would that do to the community? Even if somebody hadn't been in that church for 20 years, what would that have done to the community? Oh, you would have had every Tom, Dick, and Harry standing at the base of the church, right? Going, no, that's not going to happen. We stand, you know, God, we're going to stand for God in this one. Did we see the comparison? Like, they, they, like this is what's being preached here. This is the tension in the room. Um, Stephen is preparing for coming changes. Uh, even just the fact of changing the customs of Moses. Would you understand that the, the Torah, the commandments given to the people of Israel for, us, for them to separate from the world so they wouldn't become polluted with the things that the nations around them would pervert? I almost said the word infect because that's kind of how it starts, Right? You know, a little Sally comes home with a Canaanite boy who, who believes that yada, yada, yada isn't really wrong. And before long, guess what? Right? The family's having to make excuses. The family's having to bend the knees. It's, well, you know, we do, we do like Frankie, you know, and he is part of the family now. So this isn't, we're maybe not going to really worry so much about this area. And then before long, you have this, this sacred holy, it means set apart, people that's now polluted by the world, right? No longer pleasing before God, no longer in fellowship with God, and then God has to deal with them, right? And that's the cycle, that's the cycle, and that's what Stephen is preaching here, that's what Stephen is making his way to words. The idea of a Jew joining with a Gentile, <laughs> never in a million years, but Jesus preached it. After Acts chapter 2 there, we see that beginning, and then that change is a transition. Um, let's just recognize some dates here as well. And, and for those that, that maybe don't care about the dates, 
they're really important when you see the argument. Here is, as Stephen is preaching, let's say it's like eight months after Calvary. Right? The church, Acts chapter 2, things are getting a basis here. Eight months. This is all very, very new. I mentioned Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius, right? That's eight years later. There's a lot in that timeline that happens. In Acts chapter 15, we have a whole Jerusalem council. And write that down because this is important. Acts chapter 15, we have, we have men on the Jerusalem council saying, you can't be saved unless you get circumcised and follow the laws of Moses, Torah. They're sitting on the Jerusalem council. I don't even know what's involved as a man to get circumcised after a certain age, but I know it's not safe, right? Especially back then before all the, all the saying, we've had conversations about that as Acts class. Like, like it, it's, it's not a small deal, but, but that over the course of 10, 15, 20 years was the hot topics of that time. Right? This is the beginnings of it. Can we see the tension in the room? So as they're looking at Stephen with the face, the face is this messenger straight from the throne. How could we make a comparison for today? And I think the easiest way would be like me placing before you to consider that, and this would be the comparison to what the tension in the room would have been like. And, and you might have to be creative for this. Okay? The comparison would be like this. Have you ever considered, and quite possibly, that if the rapture was to take place, you would never again enter into a white church? You quite possibly could never sit in a pew ever again. Right? If I was to say there and says that, that'll never happen again if the rapture was to take place. You'll never put money in the plate. Right, that idea of giving that way, it'll never, never happen again. You'll never hold a bulletin again. Right? Those things will not be in the Messianic kingdom. Right? That, that, that God's going to put an end to them. Now, today, 2023, maybe they're a little bit, we're a little bit looser with that. You know, I don't, I don't see any pitchforks or anything like that. They're flying up. But 50 years ago, when we were still wearing suits and ties and carrying King James Bibles, right? And nothing wrong with any of that. I mean, if it was cooler in here, I'd have my suit jacket on <laughs> and I carry a new King James. But if someone was to step in and say, you know what? That's all going to be done. It's going to end. What would the response be? What would the reaction be? You'd have your attention, right? I mean, I mean it, 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 you could, I can almost... 50 years ago, I could almost hear the buzz, like, what is he saying? Because there's, to consider it, the Messianic kingdom is very Jewish. There's nations. And everybody will be underneath the Messianic law during that thousand years. We will be leading with that Messianic law. So will there be room for steeples and, and, and bulletins and plates and pews? Chances are probably not. So placing that on par, just creatively, you've got the Pharisees where, where, where Stephen and Jesus are saying, almost everything that you do is going to be done. God's going to destroy it. You're not doing it right anyway. <laughs> you know, your, your heart's not right. It, 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 it's going to be done. And if that doesn't cause tension in the room, I don't know what would. 
right? Flipping that, flipping that over. What, what rises from these? these? You can only imagine there these Pharisees going, so why are you the only one from this select group getting this special revelation? Right? Like, like Jesus of Nazareth, okay, he did some signs and wonders. You got 12 apostles. You had 70 sent out. And now you got a group of people, and you're the only privileged ones to get this information. Can you see the Pharisees chewing on this? They would be angry, right? Very angry. Um, there would be the question, is what we're doing wrong before God? How dare you? You'd have this self-defense coming out. Is what we're doing, you know, because it's going to, to pause or stop, right? What's the point in doing all this if it's just going to end anyway? All these different things adding to, to what's going on in this scene. So maybe there is, I, I get ready to land this plane. Uh, come to verse 51 of Acts chapter 7 with me. And I hope I have been able to, to place you in that setting, in that council, in that trial-like environment. I ask the question, how do you preach? <laughs> how would you deliver the message? How would you open your mouth and speak for God in that? And, and ultimately, it's the Spirit of God through the Word of God. And, and, and if it's there, you have to say it. But he says this, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Israel's always done it this way. It seems as though Israel has always done it the hard way. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. You'll notice in your notes that I've put the five points um, of this closing sermon, and this is where we'll pick up there next week. Right, the five points. Why have you always resisted the moving of God's Spirit? Right, just even the nature of Pharisaic Judaism and what's going on in that, right? Spiritually dead. Their religion is empty. The last time Jesus was in there, again, eight months prior, what was he doing in the temple? He was flipping tables. The second temple cleansing. Right, these men had nothing. Right? How, how so quickly, the idea of acting quickly to persecute God's messengers. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? That word persecute, right, comes with the idea of acting quickly. As soon as, as, soon as a message from God comes, guess who has to counter it? Guess who has to put a stop to it? Right, it's these religious leaders killed the Old Testament prophets. I don't, I don't think anybody here is killing the messengers of God today. Mind you, if we lived down in the States, the church shootings and stuff, we'd have another topic, wouldn't we? Right? Satan trying to put a stop to men that are, are, are proclaiming right, Christ. They killed those who foretold of the just one or the coming of the just one of whom you now have become betrayers and murderers. Without opening another can of worms, I guess I'll just close with this. Stephen, for his government, by himself, right? And I, and I like to assume that the church is praying for him, right? They've gathered. They know what's going on. He's standing before the same, same men, the same council that Jesus himself stood before in trial. Right? Knowing that their hearts are hardened, knowing that these men 
are to be judged, knowing that wrath is coming. And yet he still delivered this message. That's a hard mission field. That's a, that's a hard audience. That's a hard listener to, to open their scriptures. And again, like if you were to read through that in Nevaeh, it's, it's like Jewish history, the main covenants and salvation of the nation all through that. She's okay, right? I mean, he's, he's placing the, the, what they know and he's opening or he's trying to open their eyes to this is the next step and you guys are resisting it. So my close is this. Could we be, and, and I, if the church could grasp this as it studies, see Romans 9 11, just at the bottom of the page, could we be a new generation of Stephens speaking for Christ, using the whole counsel of God, teaching the gospel foundations so the reality of salvation connects? Right? And I know we've, we've come a long way. I mean, we're not just looking at a word or a verse or a concept. I'm not up here squawking for 20 minutes on, on, on a YouTube video I watch. Like, I mean, it's, we are going deeper and deeper. Could we be, and I'll show you, if you read Deuteronomy 10, and I got it in the notes, and then Deuteronomy 30, talks about Israel and God at some point, what's the words here? God at some point uh, says opening their hearts, sorry, opening and circumcising, circumcising their hearts and opening, anyway, Deuteronomy 10, 12 and Deuteronomy 36, 30 verse 6 says that God will do this, right? God through his spirit will circumcise their hearts and their minds. Right? And that's what Stephen's saying. You, 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 you've had all this opportunity. You have the scriptures. The Spirit has been trying to work. He sent His Son. You have everything before you, and yet you're still choosing. And that Deuteronomy 10 talks about this new generation. It is written to the new generation about to step into the promised land. Could we be that new generation ready to, to take our scriptures as we study and proclaim the whole counsel of God? And I know already that we've come a long way. I've come a long way in my biblical understanding. And I think, I think the teaching and the connecting and learning, I mean, even in VBS, these kids who don't darken the doors of churches are getting it. Could we be that new generation? And I believe we could be. But it takes time in this. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for just this chance to well, look at context Lord, I can't even imagine the tension that was in this room, a night in prison, Lord, standing, standing before a council that you've already judged, Lord, knowing that your wrath is poured out on those people. And yet, when the reality of, of our Bible narrative comes to the surface, in many ways, we're in the same place. Lord, we hold the gospel, we hold the truth, we have your spirit within us, leading us. And yet if the rapture was to take place, the wrath would come next. And Lord, we just think of how many, how many people used to sit in these pews, how many people have been baptized in our churches, how many people there have this idea of who you are. And Lord, I'm not saying that they're not saved, and I'm not saying that they're, they're going to somehow miss the rapture. Lord, that would go against the verses that I read. 
But Lord, there's going to be an accountability. And Lord, we see that you deal with sin. Lord, you deal with sinning believers. And Lord, there's going to be an accountability one day. Help us in the hard mission fields. Quite often, the hardest ones are at home. The hardest ones are with ones that are closest to us. Help us to see, just as Stephen and, and these other angelos messengers, Lord, as your spirit moved them, Lord, they opened the scriptures to explain your program. And Lord, I pray that you give us opportunities, but you'd give us the wisdom and discernment and the time to prepare. And Lord, that we would just see people's eyes open to what you say, not ideas. Lord, be with us this afternoon, Lord, as the different things unfold for us. Thank you for um, visitors. Thank you for uh, just a chance to gather. And we just pray that the, the rest of the day will be given to you. And I pray these things in your name. Amen.